This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio. Preview podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the first Homesdale Radio preview podcast of 2018. I'm your host Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk and I am ready to crash into the new year like Jason Punchin on Belgian midfielders. Oh come on, that's a belter. This week I'm joined by my new partner in crime Sam Heskiff and Twitter Hello. legend Carl Davis to discuss all things Brighton, spit, <laughs> video assistant referees and our assassination of Chris Sutton. Sorry, sorry I meant... I meant assessment of Chris Sutton, not assassination. Um, Anyway, as always, before that, head over to hrlradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. And first of all, a massive welcome to um, Sam Heskiff, who will be my new permanent partner on this show. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Good to be back. Yeah, well, we, 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 you've been on once before, is it? Once before, yeah. Oh, so not quite a debut, but your full debut. Full debut. <laughs> Surprised you asked me back, to be honest, with all my yeah. negativity, but good to be here. Um, Tom Fancett of uh, the whole radio family, who is one of the producers, said that you have the right amount of pessimism, which is extreme total pessimism. So I'm not 100% really... 100% pessimism, yeah. Have you ever turned up to a game expecting Palace to win? Well, the, the last time I was positive was when we went 2-1 up away at Hillsborough and it's all it almost went wrong. So I've decided never to be positive ever again. Retired it. Retired it in 2010. Indeed. <laughs> and um, in the background, we also have Carl Davies. Uh, you've, you've been on a couple of times now, haven't you? Once, Terence, once. Just the once. And that was the um, talking about Roy Hodgson. <laughs> No, I um I shared that show around on Twitter yesterday. Um, you and um, Rich Corley talking about uh, Hodgson joining and what you might bring to the team, and um, it turned out you knew what you were talking about, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what's going to happen now, don't you? In about four weeks' time, after a number of straight defeats and getting thumped by Bright. Oh my God, I'm sounding like Sam. Oh, let's stop. <laughs> stop. Welcome, welcome to the club, mate. 
Um, right, first thing we'll touch on today is uh, we've got a new goalkeeping coach. So we've we've added ex Millwall already in the summer, and now we're adding um, the Charlton man. So um, Hesky, have any any feelings towards Dean Kiley? Um, well, he looks nails. So I think at least if anything, if you mess up in training, he'll beat you up. So I think the intimidation factor there is probably quite good. Mm. Um, but he's quite. I think he's quite highly rated. He was at West Brom with um, Hodgson, I think. Um, so it's a good sign that Roy wants to bring him back to the coaching team. So, um, yeah, I think positive, positive all round. I don't really know much about him as a coach, but if he's good enough for Roy, he's good enough for me. Yeah, well, we've approached him from Preston, who um, Preston in my friendship group are not uh, really liked at the moment because my best mate's a Bristol Rovers fan and they've stole Billy Bowden in the transfer window today. Um, have you heard much about him, Carl, from Preston? Uh, not no, not from Preston. Again, he he used to get a fantastic read out of West Brom. Uh, good with good. Be careful how I say this. Uh, good with the kids. Supposedly <laughs> meant to be a really really good coach. Uh, we we know because might have read one of your articles previously, Terence, that he, he has an opinion and and he's not afraid to sh- share it with chairman. So I'm expecting Neil Warnock to be a future Palace manager. Uh, <laughs> But allegedly, but the, yeah. you know, the the big hope you would imagine for Hennessy, Speroni, and the new keeper, whoever that may well be, comes in that they can go work with a goalkeeping coach for a period of time, because mm. we've just had a rotation of them, and they seem to wax lyrical about the majority of them and start to build a relationship, and then they're off ski. So here's yeah. here's hoping at least he's here to stay. I would imagine it also irritates the Cholton fans uh, up the road, so uh, that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, the Croydon Advertiser posted an article today with loads of tweets in it <laughs> talking about how Charlton fans were saying, please say it ain't true. <laughs> um, for the article Carl was talking about there, if you um, Google how Neil Warnock got the job, maybe, or you just go to my Twitter account, uh, you'll see exactly what we're talking about, where potentially then Kylie had a conversation that saw mm. Neil Warnock get the job and not... Uh, Steve, Steve Clark back in 2014 but um, we'll, leave, we'll leave that one there um, look I'm going to go to a jingle now when we come back we're going to have a little bit of an extended talk about VAR which is the video assistant referee because of course it'll be used for the first time in England in our game against Brighton there are 99 reasons to hate Brighton homophobia doesn't need to be one of them follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace so when the draw came out for the FA Cup, they were saying that it was going to be in a Premier League ground, but uh, apparently Liverpool-Everton was too high a profile and uh, Brighton and Palace fitted the mould. I think that's, A, Kyle, that's really rude, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's that's a decision made by a whole load of people who, uh, who, who really don't get uh, what the Palace-Brighton thing's about. It's also, they know, a big controversial decision in Liverpool-Everton will make the back pages of the paper whereby probably Palace Brighton won't do unless a riot starts. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I'm, they, the police might need us to use the VAR to get all the knives and knuckle dusters in the crowd, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so this VAR is it's only for match-changing decisions, right? So it's the awarding of goals, penalty decisions and red cards. But I think it can also be used for mistaken identity. Is that right, Carl? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I mean that's that's that, that's what they've said. The trial is the uh, the three of those in itself are relatively clear. 
still, if you look at back at you know, some of the other leagues that have been trialling it this season, the, the harder bit is moments before a goal because that really is open to interpretation. And yeah. moments before a goal doesn't just therefore include around the penalty area if the ball's been played really quickly uh, from one end of the pitch to the other. So it, it can go right back down to the other penalty area. But yeah, they're the four, they're the four types of incidents that are, un, that are up for review. Yeah, so listeners, we've got Carl on because he watches a lot of Italian football. He's also been live at Italian football games where they've had VAR on. Um, I've done a fair amount of research on it. Uh, the first thing that came up when I researched it was a quote from uh, Australian A-League coach Paul Ocon, who manages the Mariners. He said, if you come to this game tonight and you left here no longer in love with football, who could blame you? <laughs> and that was after three VAR decisions at drastically ordered games. Um Sam, and what's your initial thoughts on VAR? Um, I'm a little bit hesitant just because I don't... One of the things I love about football is, you know, it's fast-paced and, and you know, it, the, the game rolls on. Um, and I don't really want too much stop-starting. I think that's my main concern. Uh, that being said, um, I saw something from an Italian game either yesterday or the day before. Uh, it was Juventus-Torino. And Juventus scored a goal the referee was persuaded to look at VAR to see whether there had been a foul in the build-up, which there had, quite a blatant one. He watched the video and then still gave the goal. <laughs> so much to the dismay of uh, the Torino coach, who I think is Mihailovic, who was foaming at the mouth when uh, he saw that the goal had been uh, allowed to stand. So obviously there's going to be the odd teething problem. Uh, no doubt it will happen with us when Wilf goes down in the box. And they'll make a big story out of that, probably. Um, but yeah, I'm a little bit hesitant just because I don't really know how it's going to work uh, in the English game or in football in general, really. So I think I need to wait for a few decisions to have been looked at by VAR to have a, a real proper opinion. Yeah, well, teething problems is one way to put it. I think in the first game in the Bundesliga, it, it, was, <laughs> it was referred to the VAR 12 times in one match. And now when you bear in mind that these incidents are sort of taking about 90 seconds to three minutes to sort out, <laughs> it's, um, you know, don't, don't book an early train home from an away game, that's for yes. sure. Um, Adak, Carl, is there any particular incidents in Italy that stand out that you can remember? I've jotted a few down from some other leagues. Uh, yeah, well, look, I, th- I think the... Uh, I'll, let, I'll, I'll back Sam up with, uh, with incidents that clearly an audience watching on the TV has thought been totally different to then what the rep, the VAR has then given, you know, classic one really early on Juve versus Atalanta. Juve get a last minute penalty. Everybody could see it was never a penalty. It goes to the VAR. We're getting the replays on TV. You must remember there's no screens in the ground. So you don't, well, there's screens in the ground, but they're not allowed to reshow it in the ground. So you're not seeing it in the, if you're in the crowd, but you're, I was watching this one on the TV at home. Everybody knew the penalty wasn't going to be given. Yeah. And it was given still, oh, uh, you know, it's a, a, because you're into that bit still open to interpretation and the referee's yeah. interpretation is it wasn't a foul. You know, the fact that every expert, Chris Sutton probably aside, would have thought it was a, you know, it wasn't <laughs> a penalty, you know, goes against it. I had, yeah. I had a really, I had a real mad one when I went, uh, I, I went to uh, Atalanta versus Hellas Verona and was in the crowd uh, and I mean, you can see an upside to this in the in the uh, Brighton Palace game coming up. VAR kicked in. Uh, Atlanta scored. The crowd went berserk. Flares went off. I mean, 20, 30 flares went off. Bangers went off. There were scenes. There were, you know, limbs going everywhere. 
<laughs> caught up in the middle of it all. I honestly didn't realise it had gone to VAR and the goal had been disallowed. <laughs> I just thought I'd missed the kickoff. And yeah. the people all around me hadn't realised. A minute later, and you know what it's like if somebody scores a goal and then you score another one or the opposition equalise. Hellas go down the other one, bangs one in. He jumps over the hoardings, the player. He's up onto the climbing the flames. The Hellas fans have got their flares out. Goes to VAR and that's disallowed. I mean, there weren't <laughs> a flare left in the crowd after the first 20 minutes and it was still nil-nil. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 you know, and the big issue does become the timepiece and you know it, it does add to the tension you know, if you Roma played a, a couple of weeks or so ago and Fabio scored a 90th minute winner it got referred to VAR and it, that was three minutes before the referee yeah. gave the goal awarded a goal and it was you know it was like two lots of celebration and that's fantastic but you know it, when you're starting to get five or six of these in the game, let alone 10 in the game. It adds up. You could easily have an ex- yeah. extra half hour onto it. You start to see the manipulation of it as well. You know, I watch a lot mm. of Roma. You watch the Rome Dar- Derby this year. It yeah. looked like it was a penalty for Lazio. It wasn't given. Lazio got given a corner. They slowly took the corner. So there was time for the VAR, the, the uh, video assistant referee, to look at the uh, incident. He then contacts the ref just before the corner's taken therefore the penalty can be given you know and it's you, it's it, it's definitely a new lever to play in how to game manage a game out that's for certain well there's certainly things you've got to look at I mean there's there's so many things that I think could go wrong with it and you know momentum in football is a huge thing you know, yeah. you, if, if you're a team that's in the ascendancy you're pushing for a few minutes and then another team strategically forces a VAR decision they just close down your momentum and that's a huge yeah, thing yeah. and then you know I don't want to see that in football uh, you've obviously then had Helmut Krug who was the leader of the VAR in the Bundesliga in Germany guess what he got sacked because he's a Schalke fan and he was um, influencing decisions so yes. at the end of the day you've you've still got people with opinions on football and their opinions might be biased as well on these decisions. So those are all things that are crazy. Um, you talked about it, Carl, it adds a suspense there. But when you're watching from home, and this is the problem, right, it's that another shift for me for football towards a, a television audience and away yeah. from the actual stadium, right? Because I go to football and love the atmosphere and I'm in the atmosphere. But you're right, there's no communication seems to be going on there. You know, at least in rugby or in American football, they, they're on the microphones and telling you exactly what decision has been made. They've talked through the decisions, you understand it. But, you know, that's not there in the football situation at the moment. Um, there was a couple more as well I've, I watched. Um, and Juve involved again here uh, against Genoa. And um, Mandzukic has a shot blocked on the line. He's blasted it at a defender from half a yard away. And he it's hit his arm. It's not in an unnatural position. And it took a minute and 40 seconds to go to the side. And um, when the referee got there to the screen after a minute and 40 seconds, it weren't even ready for him. And he had to wait for another 30 seconds for the footage to actually appear on the TV. And then he gives a penalty for a guy who has a ball blasted at him from one yard away. And there's nothing he can do about it. So, again, it's all just interpretation. As far as I'm concerned, the handball rule is a deliberate handball, right? Yeah. 
and, and you go back to VAR and why is, why is it brought in? I mean, there's there's clearly some reasons of, you know, there's some logical reasons that you don't really need to explain here of why you go bringing it in because it's trying to take out some of the injustices in football. And now you go back to Bournemouth's first goal against us, the corner routine that they've worked on that is yeah. about creating a foul to create the space for Defoe to score. In a VAR situation, they don't even attempt that because they know it goes to VAR and it doesn't happen. So, you know, there's some there's some absolute benefits for it. But the reason why this is at trial stage at the moment is because it, it definitely isn't flawless. And I've got to say, from a fan's experience inside the ground, and I've been to more than one game with the VAR where I've seen VAR in operation live, it's bloody hopeless because you it's not like you're at the cricket and you're watching it replayed back and you can make your own mind up in slow-mo to see, oh, that's why. You're left absolutely hanging there. And, you know, decisions are given. You can't see why. And, you know, it's got a greater chance of creating, I would say, animosity between fans and therefore even potentially violence between fans in the crowd than it has of, you know, people leaving the ground going, you know what, I feel like we got a fair result there. Mm, yeah, um, I mean, someone tweeted me a really good thing was saying, look, a big American football fan saying we've had it for nearly 30 years in the NFL and there's still mistakes made every weekend on it as far as fans can see and as far as fans' interpretations are of the rules. And um, every weekend you type in hashtag NFL on Twitter and everything is just saying it's a fix because they feel like people higher up are making the decisions or influencing the decisions that should be made. Um, a couple more, just a couple more as well that I've seen flicking through. Um, I saw um, Vitezzi against Fernoid. Um, Vitezzi through one on one gets hacked down from behind. I mean, it's obviously a penalty. <laughs> you can just see it's a penalty. Uh, Fernoid go right down the other end, score a goal 20 seconds later. And then it all ends. So the Fernoid fans are going nuts, like celebrating. It gets overhauled, goes back down the other end. Vitezzi get a penalty and score it. <laughs> and um, and yeah, but then catch what out the- before. Yeah, cash out before exactly. Well, that's a whole other scenario there. Yeah. We don't even we're not even talking about betting companies. And then um, another great one I saw was a Stuttgart player. They refused to use VAR when he got booked for a second yellow and sent off, and he was nowhere near the guy. He didn't foul him at all. So the video technology is in place. Everybody knew a mistake had been made, yet the player still gets sent off. So which seems stupid when. If a goal happens, they can rewind 60 seconds and look at a foul further down the field and decide that, you know, we're going to disallow that goal based on we've decided that was the same phase of play. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's crazy. I mean, listening to all of that, Heskiff, do you, um, is is it, what's the way to do it? Lessen your fears? (laughs) Well, like I said, I have to wait and see. I mean, there's a few other things that, you know, could influence it. You see managers sort of be pally with fourth officials and that sort of thing. Obviously, we know he's not around, but Clattenburg, you know, managers getting, I'm thinking of Manchester United in the cup final, pally with him and Ferguson and all that. And you just wonder in, in, in decisions with bigger clubs, if someone like Pep goes over to the VAR or the fourth official or something like that and sort of has a chat with them and persuades them that they need to have a look at it. Um, you know, that sort of thing worries me a little bit because the influence that bigger clubs have, I'm sure they won't want to admit it, but us little plucky clubs down the bottom certainly know of the bias there. Um, I think that that may strengthen their hold because it sounds like with the Italian stuff, it sounds like Juventus are, are involved in fortuitous decisions every every match. So um, I think that's a little bit worrying. But like I said, a- until we've seen it in action here, 
Um, it's hard to say whether it would be a good thing or not. If we get a good decision and not Brighton out of the cup because of it, then I'm all over it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it well, does talk- say that for, for everything we've just talked about. And and you know what? The only way you ever find out about this thing is to properly, you know, is to go trial it. But you don't normally trial it on a local derby, do you? No. And that's and that's the, the still find the strength that of all of the like games to go trial it on. You choose a derby, and then you choose a derby that has had a level of incidence uh, around it. For, uh, you know, only a matter of weeks earlier. Ludicrous. Yeah, it is really. Um... Looking at VAR decisions, which could have been used recently. So, Carl, what do you reckon, Wilf against Man City, if they refer yeah, that the to the VAR? Yeah, 100% penalty. Yep. What about you, Heskiff? Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, definitely a penalty for me. Yeah, I mean, there's contacts. I mean, all of the commentators last night and the pundits were saying that Hazard has the right to go down because there's contact. Well, apparently, Wilf doesn't have the right to go down when he's bundled down from behind. Apparently, he should find some sort of miracle way to squat with Sterling on his shoulders and continue dribbling the ball through to the goal. So, um, and what, what do you, what do we think of the Hazard one? What, Carl? Would you is it is it a penalty? What? Uh, honest, I've only seen little vines of it, but it doesn't. Again, and I, I go, I, I've seen, I've seen the stuff this morning on 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 Twitter with regards to it, and I and I've got, a, I'm biased, I'm biased because I, I love Wilf, and I think we've been, I think the club's been victimised, and I think he's been victimised, and I'm going, and, and my natural reaction is, how the heck can anybody suggest Wilf's isn't a penalty yet think Hazard's is? So my natural bias is to say, no, it's not a penalty. I've, I've not seen the slow-mos of if he's touched or if he isn't touched. What he definitely does is he makes a meal of it and makes sure yeah. he goes down knowing that a referee sees it as a penalty. Yeah, well, that's that's the key thing. I, I think Hazard dived, but it was a penalty. And I know yeah. that sounds ridiculous, but he's... Beat Mon, uh, it wasn't Monreal, Chambers. I can't remember who it was. He's yeah, beaten him. He's beaten him to the ball, and the guys levered him in the foot. It was Bellerin, that's who it was, and he's kicked him in the bottom of his foot. And then Hazard's other leg comes from underneath him, and he falls down. But Hazard knows if he doesn't fall down, he doesn't get the penalty. But until referees start giving players penalties for staying on their feet, they're always going to go down, right? So. Yes. What, why, what, what incentive does Hazard have to stay up there? He knows there's been contact. He knows if he stays up, he doesn't get a penalty. He knows if he goes down and he gets a penalty, there's no problem there in terms of going to the panel to get judged for diving because he hasn't really died. There's been contact, so he has a right to go down. But I just think it's crazy. Referees, until they start giving decisions where they say, you know what, no, that's forcible contact. He's tried to stay on his feet. If he gets the shot away... And it goes in. I'll let the goal go. If he doesn't get the shot, well, I'll give a penalty. Yeah, I thought fair. I thought fair play to the ref on uh, Tuesday night at Southampton, who we had two incidents whereby players attempted to stay on their feet, and he yeah. brought it back five, ten seconds. Well, five seconds, and yeah. gave the free kick when there was no advantage. But that's a rarity. Normally, you, unless unless you land on your backside, you haven't even got a chance of getting anything. Yeah. Okay, right. It's some interesting discussion there. We will see how it goes on Monday night. Um, being that it's Palace Brighton, it's, it's, <laughs> well, look, we know this is going to hit the fan. We know it. It's, it's going to go to the referee five or six times. And oh, but my, we'll advice how... to the, my advice to the HF is take twice as many flares as you <laughs> normally do. <laughs> they never no use they, no ne- they never have flares. It's only smoke bombs. Flares are really, really banned. They're dangerous. <laughs> Um, right, look, next up, we're going to have our Brighton fan on. It is Al from the Albion Raw. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Right, we are now joined by Brighton fan Al from the Albion Raw. Um, welcome, sir. Thank you for joining us. I know it's a little bit difficult to talk to one from the enemy camp. <laughs> oh, uh, I believe that just, uh, you know, the fact that we're actually not face to face makes everything okay. <laughs> yeah, somehow it does, yeah. Um, so, yeah. how have you, you been enjoying your first season up, up with the big boys? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's better than uh, than we were anticipating. I mean, when when uh, you know we we spent sort of last the you know previous couple of seasons at the top of the championship, we did wonder sort of what how much of a leap it was going to be in terms of quality to to sort of get up and stay up and what have you. So yeah, I mean you know if if you were to believe the pundits and so called experts, then it'd be along the lines of you know we'd have been sort of Derby counting and. And sort of, you know, been on single points and and cut adrift so far. But you know, we 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 we've uh, sort of hit the dallying heights of eighth once this season. We're 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 delighted with twelve. And if we can finish the season now, then you know we're very happy. So it's gone better than we're anticipating. But you know, perversely, you know, there's there's a couple of games where we think well, we could have done even better still. But you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, yeah. It, been all right but this is for um i mean i think we were referred to as derby county several times um, in our first couple of seasons so we've done all right to survive so far um absolutely um do you think do you think you're you've got enough to survive or do you think you need to make some business in january Uh, i think we probably do need to strengthen a little bit especially up front i mean we're we're largely satisfied with the the defence and the midfield, they're, they're coping quite well. I mean, Chris Sweetman's got them set up sort of very conservatively, very disciplined in, in terms of defence. I think it's sort of the, probably not a dissimilar thing that Roy Hodgson's had to do in taking over the sort of slight mess that um, the board left due. And, and these things sort of take time to, to sort themselves out. And what we're, what we're resigned to is not actually watching any sexy football this season. It's, it's going to be all about the results, all about um, staying up and what have you. And then if we can do that, we kick on. And I think to do that, yeah, um, we've got to look at sort of um, learning to find out where the net is and, and, and actually finding it. Yeah, I think what Brighton have done quite wisely um, is 
largely stuck with the side that got them promoted. You know, it's been together for a few years there now. You've always been sort of challenging at the top. And um, sometimes teams can make try to make changes way too quickly. And it can end up adversely affecting you and you lose that sort of team spirit that you have that's already there. And believe me, in the Premier League, that team spirit can get you by in games. There's a there's a lot of dross in the Premier League Absolutely. for last periods of the season. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, even in the Championship, I mean, if you look at our, look to our squad, there was there were people that were saying, well, you know, individually, there's no stars there, but it was a team effort. It was a team collective, and, and, and it was a team that very much fought for each other. I think it was always going to be a case of, well, you know, let's see what what happens with this team collective and see how far it can get us. And if we realise that the collective in itself wasn't going to be enough, and the, you know, you need the added quality, then we'll, we'll deal with it accordingly. Um, you know, the, yeah, there's been about three or four additions uh, to the championship side. They've acquitted themselves pretty well, but you know, where, where it, we're using players from the championship, most of them have made the step up, and, and one or two of them have made a, a, an excellent step up, and, and we're pleased with it. Um, but there's no way we can survive on this quality um, as, you know, should we actually sort of survive this year? We can't sort of carry on with that. We do have to add to it. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a stepping stone. Yes, you, you're quite right to to undermine everything and, and completely destroy it and start again. I just don't think the club was, was going to be in a position to do that. So, um, you know, you, you go with the positivity that you had at the, the end of the previous season. Yeah, so um, you get a respite from the league this weekend. We're going into Monday. Um, what are you expecting from Brighton? A, a first-choice eleven, or are you expecting a few changes in there? I think we'll get a few changes here. I mean, there's, you know, the, the December schedule for the Premier League was absolutely fast. We're having sort of three or four games a month, and this time we get seven. And and, and sometimes the quality suffered, and I think probably just just like every team sort of, you know, suffered that. Um, so yeah, I think some of the, I suspect probably right across the Premier League board, you know, most most teams will actually offer up only a sort of a, you know, they'll, they make four, five, six changes. I, I'm fully expecting Palace to do the same. Because um, if nothing else, it's, it's an opportunity for the managers to look at who might make, be able to make the step up for the second half of the season. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting you know at least half the team to change, not for any kids, but for for those that you know spend their time on the substitute bench and, and rarely get on. So um, we've got a couple of decent centre halves that we can replace our regular two with. I think central midfield we might be having to use the same. I'm probably up front, but we've got some wide players and fullbacks. So, yeah, I'm expecting, yeah, five, six changes. Uh, so, up front, um, have we got a chance of Glenn Murray being on? Because, um, he obviously, he scored against Brighton for Palace. He scored against Bournemouth the other day. So, he likes scoring against his former clubs, but still hasn't managed it against us yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that might happen one day. Um, is it going to happen this time? I suspect he's probably one of those that, that won't... Um, um, won't be uh, dropped. I mean, I, I suppose with with him, it's either him or Hemed up front, mm. and and they are very very similar style players. So in that instance, that's probably one of those where you toss a coin and say, okay, which one's going to start. Um, but as for uh, others, tricky to say. I mean, there's, there's probably a few that you could actually mention, but you know, it's probably not worth mentioning to you guys because they, they probably would mean nothing to you. But I'd say there's a, a better than fifty fifty chance that Murray will play. Okay, and um, I know it's a bit of shot in the dark uh, in an FA Cup game like this, but what do you think the score's going to be? Oh, you know, I think 
anything better than the previous game about six weeks ago at the Amex would be would be a bonus. <laughs> that was probably one of the most dire games going. I mean, it was you know kind of high high tension you know for a, a rival that was being rekindled, and the game itself just lived up to absolutely none of it. So um, I think just either side happy with goals and, and, and I don't think that there's bragging rights can really be sort of got out of this one because it's the cup because it's not going to be a set out because it's a kind of a second 11 then you know this is almost a, a well a, a, a free hit for both sides here so oh just for the sheer hell of it I think it'll be a close game let's say 6-0 to Brighton <laughs> yeah well um, I think uh, <laughs> yeah right yeah you're, you're, definite, you're definitely right in terms of like it probably being a bit of a free hit but both of us could really do yeah. without a draw, so um, undoubtedly it will finish well, there one is, one uh, or something. But I think it'll actually be a much more entertaining one on account of the fact that, like I say, yeah. both teams will have players in there. They'll have um, yeah. kind of reserve players in there who will want to make a, uh, a good account of the take, make a good account of themselves, rather than those who are kind of, you know, in their first team week in, week out, and and you know don't have to fight for their place. So the fact that there'll be players in there fighting place I think could actually make it a lot more entertaining I couldn't say a score but you know I'm almost certain that there'd be goals right okay and um as much as we do have a rivalry um we obviously do some good work with each other off the pitch and um there's been an announcement today out of the Renf camp absolutely yeah I mean it's uh it's, it's myself that actually liaises with uh, Lewis Football Club and I'm delighted to say that the uh the Robert Eaton annual challenge match um, between Brighton fans and Crystal Palace fans uh, will be taking place on Friday the 11th of May uh, at the Dripping Pan at Lewis Football Club. Uh, kick-off 7.45. It'll be £5 for adults to come in, uh, £2 for uh, under-16s, free if they're accompanied by an adult. And uh, all money goes to Robert Eaton Memorial Fund. Now, um, I think hopefully both sets of fans will be able to come along and support their team. Uh, Brighton are the current trophy holders. I know that you guys will want to, you know, get some bragging rights and win the trophy back. So um, for all those that are listening, um, do come to, I know it's a, it's a way away yet, and, and uh, that Homestead Radio will actually carry on promoting it. But uh, on the 11th of May, do come along and support your team and uh, for the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund trophy. And I understand yeah. you're, you're, you're playing. I will, I will be in goal for Palace um, if my old knees can get me through the 90 minutes. And um, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't confirm any, anything yet, but um, Palace fans should uh, keep their ears to the ground on this one for sure because um, we have a pretty big name lined up this year that we're hoping we can get across the line. Really? So, okay. Yes. But it, yeah. Which reminds me, you had Johnson. your ringer from... <laughs> really? Okay. I mean, I mean, if, 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 yeah, he, he played for the whole match at the Amex, didn't he? The cheeky sod. So, <laughs> um, apparently, yeah, but that was, for days that was, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that, uh, that particular episode was was excellent, and and it required it. You know, you, you could tell he was a, a class above, and you know, it required an Andy Johnson penalty. You know, who knew uh, for Palace <laughs> to win? But you know, the point is, is that the money was raised, and we congratulated Palace on the day. You know, it's. It's another time where you come down to the Amex and come away with the with the goodies. So you know, <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, it's, it's a brilliant cause and obviously raise a lot of money. And of course, we'll be promoting that as the weeks go on. So, um, Al, look, thank you so much for joining us and chatting to us about this. And um, I wish you the worst of luck on Monday night. Absolutely, I'd say all the best, but you know, I wouldn't mean it. So, um, cheerio. Okay, thanks, mate. See you at the ramp. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Right, guys, now, um, Brighton Preview. <laughs> um, 
Roy Hodgson has been saying that he's going to rest some players. Skiff, do you rest players for this game or should we be going full steam ahead because it's Brighton? I am leaning on the side of Roy. I'd rest some players. Um, it's, it's a tough one because obviously whenever we play Brighton, I want us to batter them. And I think having had a bit longer to sort of rest up for the game, obviously we had a very tough Christmas period where we were playing um, a lot of games in even shorter sort of space of time than most teams. As Luca said, you know, he only had one day rest after Man City before the Southampton game. But now we've got, you know, five, six, seven days, whatever it is, to, to rest up. So normally I would say, you know, they, they'll be all right. They'll all be rested. But I, I just have the, this is going back to my pessimism probably, but the nightmare scenario of um, Wilf starting a game, getting his leg broken by some clumsy Lewis dunk challenge. And then we lose. And then, you know, it sort of, everyone will say, why did we play Wilf? Um, and, and also, you know, I think there are players who deserve to have a start who, like, like Hodgson has said, they haven't had much opportunity but when they've come in like Sacco um Gyro against um uh, against Man City they've looked good you know and, and I think it will benefit them and it will certainly benefit us as a as a squad as a club if they get more than a sort of 20 minute cameo here and there yeah um Sacco looked good in the league cup when he when he played um he's looked good in the last few games when he's come on I think his introduction helped change a game big time um, at St Mary's, uh, and you know, I think he deserves to have to have a go. I think having you know, given maybe given PVA another ninety minutes probably will help him out. He was he was all right um, on Tuesday, um, and I don't know if you know, even if you have someone like Joel Ward who who's sort of in contention, it might be worth giving him that game uh, to see how he does. Uh, give Fossey Mensah a bit of a rest in case Ward isn't you know ninety minutes ready. Uh, so yeah, I think I, I'd I'd rest up some of the um, more important players like Wilf um, and and give players like Bakary and Gyro a go. Well, yeah, Hodgson has said people like Bakary, Sacco, Gyro, Riedervold, Patrick van Arnholt, and others who came in and did well against Man City might need another go at it. I'm hoping to make some changes and freshen up the team a little bit and make certain that one or two players who need to breathe a little bit of air after the recent run of games can take time to enjoy what they have achieved and make certain that they get their head right for the last 16 games where we are going to need an awful lot of points. Um, Carl, is there... What's, we've talked about Bakary Sacco there, uh, coming back to finding some form that we've never seen him in, really, other than outside of the first two games he ever played for us. And obviously, PVA um, had been consigned to the scrap heap along with Sacco. What's, what's Hodgson doing in the background that's seeming to make these players play with a bit more of a smile on their face? I think, first, I think first and foremost, he's he, he's providing them clarity and he's providing the opportunity to play. And I think you know, if you ever spend any time around professional footballers, they're only, let's say they're they're only happy. With really, they're really, really only happy when they're playing. You know, the all the stuff that comes with the money and all of that. There's a few of them who are just in it for the money, but they're few. You know, totally the money. They're few and far between. They're at their happiest when they're playing. If they don't think they've got any chance of playing, then they're not. They're not a happy bunch. And I think that's what Roy's done. He's 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 got two shapes, hasn't he? It's a four four two, and we've seen a little bit of a four five one. He's 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 given. He's kept him around the squad. 
he started to use them more and more as a substitute. He's rotate, he's increasingly rotating them in. So you've gone from a team of eleven into a squad of fourteen or fifteen who are who are getting somewhere between twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and ninety minutes on a on a Saturday. And I think that's that's keeping them happy. He's, he's, he's clearing what he wants out of players. That helps, especially if you're a player who's on the sidelines. You, you just want to know. You, all they want to do is come in and do well. That's all they want to do. And if they've got any uncertainty about that, you know, they know they're under pressure. And I think, you know, again, we saw it the, uh, during, the, uh, during the week. You know, PVA came on. He came on at left wing. Within 10 minutes, he was at left back. So he's, he's had two positional moves, but he came on knowing exactly what he needed to go do. Sacco came on and he knew straight away he was up top alongside Benteke, dropping out to the right when needed to, but he was to put pressure on the fullbacks. I don't think in the last couple of years we've had ever had that much clarity with the players and what they're meant to be doing. I think I think they're welcoming it. I really do. Yeah, I mean, Zaha was on, I think it was pre-Leicester, him and uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek were interviewed on Sky and he talked a lot about that. He just said, you know, the manager tells us what we should be doing walks through scenarios and there's obviously you know these players who have come through academies now my i've mentioned this a few times before my little cousins in the spurs academy and from the age of seven they're just being told what to do every day playing football it's what they're used to it's what they respond to and it's unsurprising that if a manager comes in and says you do this if this happens you do this if this happens it's what they understand and it's it's obviously what's getting the best out of them and i think you know, the more thinking footballers you tend to get at a more elite level, right? You know, I bet your bottom dollar that, you know, a manager doesn't have to tell Lionel Messi overly too much what he has to do, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I'm. it's obviously working well for them and um, and keeping them all happy, which is nice. And Pardew can probably take a leaf out of Hodgson's book with being able to keep a squad of players happy as opposed to just your starting 11, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Heskiff, do you think there's anyone else outside of Sacco, Riedewald and PVA who perhaps should get some game time? Would you like to see maybe some of the youngsters come in? Maybe. I mean, Solly was on the bench, uh, I think, against Southampton. So you think maybe that's his, his last opportunity to come in and and, and do something because I read Brentford were interested in him. And really, he hasn't kicked on as much as people would have hoped, I think. So maybe him. Um, I'd say maybe start Jimmy. Again, maybe rest Kabai, yeah, um, sure. because I think his his legs are um, in in dire need of a a bit of a rest. Um, that's it, really. I mean, I, I don't know who else we can rest. Uh, ben Teke doesn't really have an option because I can't see us playing Ladapo. Or if if you don't play Ben Teke, does that mean that Wilf does play, or do we just play Sacco up front? Um, it's tough because if it was anyone else, you know, if we were playing some team that wasn't Brighton, then you could say, you know, put Chungy in. It, it doesn't matter. Oh. Really. Um, <laughs> but, but I when think, you said rotate, I don't think you were going that far. Well, <laughs> at, at, least, at least I haven't mentioned Jordan much. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to dig that deep. Oh, think, that would, that is Jordan much's pathway to redemption. A 30 oh, yard screamer it. against Brighton do in the last minute. Do it. <laughs> I, I've, I've got to say, I, I'd be surprised if Tompkins plays. I do think, I think, I do think mm. Delaney will play. I think yeah. he, I, I think, I think he'll drop. I, you know, look, if, if you look at them, look at the moment. There's, there's no doubt we're going to try and get a centre back in. But at, at the present moment in time, we are of uh, 
you know, we we know we've had three centre backs in in Tompkins, Dan, and Sacco. We are down to one. Uh, Kelly has done an admirable job, but you wouldn't want him to be the leader. And Tompkins has a record of injuries. I'd be amazed if they played Tompkins. I think I think it'd be Kelly and Delaney at the back. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if Delaney's fit, is he? Because he had surgery quite recently, so he might. He was, he, was on the, he was on the bench the other day, wasn't he? Oh, was he ready? Did he make it? I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah, I don't yeah. look at the bench. There's nothing there for us. He was, <laughs> was, was on the bench in the Man City game. I was wet myself. I managed to because it was the early kickoff. Got on the ground a little bit early, and I was watching the warm up, and he was puffing through the warm up. Yeah, well, I expect. Yeah, I, you're right. Then I would expect him to start. Um, look, anyway, we'll we'll leave that one there, and. Um, We'll be back after a short jingle with predictions. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Right, no no predictions from last week because we've obviously been off for a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> I put a poll out today. Um, <laughs> I wanted to go around the seaweed theme. So I ended up with, for a, for a Palace win, I asked, um, well, your three options were smoke weed every day, toke it back to the last... <laughs> I'm gunja be sick. Um, it wasn't really <laughs> football related. Um, I was see. I was saying I was going to put um, for the obvious. I was going to put draw, but um, I, it, it was too highbrow for that selection of ones there. So. <laughs> but fifty-five uh, percent of people have gone for a win, with thirty-three going for a draw. I guess we we don't really want a draw. I was saying, talking about that with Alf uh, wrapping the show, but um, yeah. Uh, I'll start with you, Carl. Uh, what do you reckon it's going to be? I think it's a draw. This is this is the this is the game. The draw that none of the, not, you know the owners deep down the owners didn't want. It's the game that the the police didn't want. I think we're dragging out. I think it, I'm going one all down there, and we're all back to Celeste. Toke it back to Celeste. Heskiff, first one as a permanent. What do you reckon? I mean, my gut reaction is I think we're going to lose. Um, shock because that's my gut reaction in life um, but again we, we don't know if Brighton have decided that, that the leagues are important for them and they're going to drop half their team as well so it's it's tough one um, the most positive thing I can say is I agree with Carl draw get a replay which isn't positive for all the players who are knackered but yeah. it's as positive as you're going to get from me probably ever well, Grubino on Twitter agrees with you and said it's going to be a nil-nil. Freddie Curran's gone 2-1 Palace, as has Carl Mortimer. Um, <laughs> Jack Watson of the Homesdale Radio Parish has said Southern Row nil, Sussex Police 2. Uh, <laughs> and someone, Johnny Esther here has gone 1-0 Palace, a Lewis Duncan goal. Of course, that is that is the dream, indeed. <laughs> um, I, I don't need to ask you this, uh, Heskiff. You worried about Glenn Murray scoring? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm worried. About, I'm worried about every player that's had like a minute of football for a scoring against us. So, um, yeah, I am because I think he will. Uh, Carl, what do you reckon? Yeah, oh, God, I really, I loved it the other night. Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were down there, and and he didn't score, and at the end he came over and applauded the Palace fans. I, I really hope he doesn't score. I, I do think, I think they're rest five or six players. He, they're yeah. in, they're under pressure. They haven't, yeah. they, they're under pressure in the league. I, I think he rest five. I reckon they're rest four or five, and I'd be amazed if Murray plays. Mm. Yeah, well, Al talks about having the show. He reckons a few. He said, he said he thought Murray might play because they don't have much of a choice up there. But um, it will certainly be interesting. But you know, uh, 
he he scored against Brighton for us. He scored against Bournemouth for Brighton, but um, he couldn't manage to score against us for Brighton or Bournemouth. So you know, he's a, a you know where his true loyalties lie. I reckon. Hurry, <laughs> own goal. Uh, right. Um, we'll be back after this. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, that's the end of the show. We're um, we've flown for it tonight, and. Um, that's a good thing because I'm going to go off and see Star Wars now. So no spoilers, but I would have probably seen it before you say anything. So, um, Carl, thank you so much for coming on and um, sharing your knowledge of VAR with us and um, and your various other palace palace thoughts and memories. Welcome, as always. Thank you, kind sir, up the palace. And Sam, it's it's going to be emotional, mate. Yeah, it is. We're going to be able to talk through our fears. For the rest of the year. <laughs> I can't wait to see how much the BBS hate me by the end of January. <laughs> I've got to get the show sponsored by Samaritans. <laughs> <laughs> Homes Al Radio will be shut down by February. <laughs> Look, yep. Yeah, so thank you, guys. Um, we will be back next week, normal time. Uh, the review show. I don't know what's happening with the review show. I think that won't be back into the following weekend. So next preview show, we'll probably review the Brighton game and tuck into the next league game, which is help me out, someone Burnley. 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 Oh, big game. Uh, a big game in the battle for Europa League spaces, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, look, guys, until next week, up the palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.